Boys, how are you all doing? Good, man. We have a big podcast. Obviously, a lot of questions about the show on the weekend. And uh, I want to get stuck right into it. The first thing I want to cover is we've got a lot of questions about the show in general, how it was run. Um, people were saying that it looked awesome on the live. How good was it during the, in, in, in actual in-person? We can talk about how our teams went. And then the, obviously there was a lot of questions about myself, my results, how I think I went, and, um, and also me also coaching on the day too and MG coaching on the day. So we can talk about that. And then I want to actually get in depth a little bit about my peaking strategy and things that I've learned and things that I want to do differently next time. And uh, then we obviously got some questions specifically about comp day and about peak week uh, that we're going to get into. So the show, A&B Victoria, first show that was promoted by the MG. Tell mm -hmm. us, MG, how was it for you on the day? Because I know you were coaching and also being a promoter. Let's talk about yeah. that. Let's also talk about um, how your clients and how your team went and any positive yeah. and negative feedback that maybe you want to talk about and things that you might want to improve on, do differently think think went well from the show. You got you got three hours? <laughs> <laughs> Get the notepad out, bro. Yeah, yeah. It was it was um you know what? I don't think I've ever been as stressed as I was between sort of seven AM and We'll say about, we'll say until after Classic was finished, right? I reckon I was pretty much stressed for that sort of five and a half hours. But it doesn't matter how many shows you've been to as a coach or as a spectator, nothing prepared me for like what needed to be done um, as, as promoter, right? Simple things. And I've learned so much. And there's a million things that next time I'll be more prepared for and do better. Um, and, and there's a million takeaways. And I'll talk about some of those in a little bit. But, you know, basically, getting to the venue at seven and then just organizing the setup of things that you just don't think about as a as a coach you know like presentation awards where the medals are going to go what's the entry procedure printing um printing who's going to be on door um you know the the relationship between the backstage and the side stage where the athletes are the athletes briefing i've got a message mate i think i missed the athletes briefing by seven minutes it was like I said 8.30 on my thing. At 8.37, I'm like, holy shit, I haven't done the athletes briefing yet, right? You, look, you learn as you go, right? It's the first time I've done it. So, so it, was, it was an emotional roller coaster for so many different reasons. Um, the stress of making sure that you get everything right and that you don't disappoint anyone. And anyone who knows me and knows my personality, like that's, that's, that's me in everything that I do, right? I hate letting people down. So when I analyze and assess a situation, I'm going in with that type of mentality of making sure that everyone's happy, everyone's comfortable and everyone's enjoying themselves. So that sort of pressure was on my shoulders. First time doing anything is always, is, is always tough. And there was so many things that I just hadn't done or wasn't prepared for. Um, from the outside world or from someone who was watching, maybe you didn't notice any of these things that, you know, for me, I felt like, you know, needed to be done, like, you know, the athletes briefing or, or the the entry into the arena for not just athletes, but their one helper. And then how we manage that between shows, you know, about having people just flooding the auditorium versus waiting out in the waiting room and, and these types of things. The ticketing system, you know, there's things I'll do differently there next time. But I want to say that it was one of the most amazing days that I've ever had professionally and personally um, across you know every career that I've been a part of since you know starting full time work, it was such a rewarding day. It was so 
um, it was so fulfilling. And I, you know, the, you know, you two know me better than anyone, and you know how much I love this sport and how much I love shows. Like me and MT have been going to shows and spending money and entry tickets and having no one compete, right? Because this is what we love to do. We go on our weekends to other to other shows when we have no one competing because we find it just fun and enjoyable. So I took a moment there and realized that now I was doing this as you know part of my livelihood, and it was just it was such a such a special moment for me. The day went like that. Um, and I, I think the one thing that I found difficult to manage, because again, you know, never wanting to disappoint anyone was the relationship between being a coach and being a promoter and feeling like, you know, that I was making sure my athletes got all of my attention when it was needed versus hearing my name being called out on the mic to come <laughs> back to the stage to present something. And I was like, hang on, I'm in the middle of a pump up. Like, so there's things that I do differently there. Um, to make sure that my team felt more comfortable, even though anyone who saw me would have seen me running around like a headless truck. And I think even my beautiful wife at some point said that I look so stressed. I look like I aged 30 years in that morning. Veins <laughs> <laughs> coming out of my forehead. And the beautiful thing about um, about being bold. But I couldn't have been prouder of the day, about of, of the A&B team and everything that we achieved. I think anyone who was at the show, you probably don't know that that was really all of our first time working together as a group. So, you know, the judging panel, um, the backstage help, the side stage, the front door staff, obviously the medal presenters, my wife being one of them, my wife at the front door, as well as my mother-in-law, who was an amazing help, has never done that before in her life. Um, it, was, it was the first time we've all done that as a group. So, we, you know, we felt like there was things that we could have done better and we know that we will definitely get better next time. But we think we had it run very smoothly regardless and we got some incredible feedback from anyone who attended about how much of a professionally run show it was, how much time the athletes got, the, how good the MC was, how good the DJ was, you know, the stage lighting. We got a ton of feedback about that, how big the athletes area was at the back for pump up. There was so much space. You know, we had the meal prep company on hand, free monsters for everybody, free water, free pump up lollies. You know, just the little differences of, of you know, the things that I've always wanted to, to bring in terms of, you know, touch for the athletes. And I think we did, we did really, really well. Um, and then some little sort of administrative back-end things that I think we can do a lot better, and we will. Yeah, like so, as, a, as a coach, competitor, and spectator, uh, I think it was amazing. I think that, you know, the fact that it's the first time you guys have ever worked together as a team, um, the show ran awesome. We got some great feedback. Like, obviously, a lot of my friends and family, because I competed, and they're not even into bodybuilding. Like, some of them was the first time they've ever been to a show, and I'm like to the, I'm like to us. Oh, thank you so much for coming. Like we actually really enjoyed this. This was all, they stayed for longer. They stayed for the second show and watched the. Yeah, film. I noticed a lot of your family and friends were there in this in the afternoon show. I'm like, what yeah, are, what are you they, they loved it. They're like, thank you for. I'm so glad I came. So, from a spectator's perspective, obviously a lot of people online watched the live stream and they said that was amazing. The show looked amazing. Uh, as being a competitor, I was happy with how. I was informed when I need to, where I need to be, when I need to be, where I need to stand, what I need to do when I was up. So that was great. And um, then as a coach, you know, obviously I had a lot of room for my team. I knew exactly yeah. what divisions were coming up. I knew exactly what I needed to do, what they needed to do. Um, and they felt really, really comfortable too. So, yeah, like obviously I gave you a couple of little things of feedback, but, you know, all awesome. in all, um, a really, it, yeah. a really successful show, and I congratulate you, my brother. That was it was absolutely awesome. Yeah, well done. Well done. I, I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, and obviously, thanks both of you for for your amazing support. You know, I spent you know the moments of free time I had pretty much when you were on stage and in other breaks with Scotty. We just kind of sat there and watched 
you know, as many divisions as we could. And, um, you know, because I'm also a spectator. I have nothing to do with, you know, the, the, the process in judging or anything like that. I, uh, I sit way back and just watch, and watch as, as other coaches do. So, um, you know, I, I, I very much enjoyed coaching the show. I found at times for myself that I was sort of running back and forth and I just felt like um, I needed to be with my athletes more. Um, particularly through that that um, show too when the the bikini division was on, but I'm so proud of my team. You know, if we're talking about my athletes, obviously Michael taking out the classic overall, and we'll get into that in a little bit more detail after. But you know, first is his last um, showing, which was in physique, put on a ton of size, looked amazing, and then my two bikini girls were just oh, made me so proud. Like I think I posted, and you guys might have seen this. My seven month transformation with Bethany, my um, bikini yeah. athlete. And that was, with, that was without a proper off season, right? And like she'll do the twenty threes at ICN, and that's that's a seven month side by side from uh, from where she started from her last show to to now with not really a proper off season. So I just couldn't be proud of her. She's going to have a massive future. And then obviously Elise has got an incredible physique for bikini. Personally, I love Elise's look, and I think that that's the look that you know I want to be bringing to stage for anyone who does like bikini. I love everything about that physique. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, we're going to be in the top conversation, you know, in my opinion, across all feds, just because of of the package that she bought and she's got beautiful pose. I just couldn't have been prouder from a coach's front either. And it's had an amazing day. How about you, Scotty? How about your team? How, how, did, how did everything go? How did they think of the experience? Yeah, it was good. The feedback that I had was, um, was really good. So one of the first things that I noticed, and I mentioned it when um, Jen came up to me and gave me a big hug and... The first thing that I said was, I, do you know what I love about it? That it wasn't disgustingly hot in the venue. The temperature was perfect because there's nothing worse when you go in and especially, well, it's not so warm now, but as you go into the, the warmer months that we, you know, if it's stinking hot inside and you get more bodies in there, obviously it just can be really stuffy and congested, but it was really, really comfortable the whole time, which I think was really good. And backstage as well, it wasn't too cold. Again, what MT said about having um about having a little bit more space um in the pump up area, I thought it was really really smooth. Granted, every show there's always a few little teething problems, but as you said, you you learn from that process. But I thought it was really good from the all the way walking in. Mead was amazing on the door, as was uh, his name escapes me. There was a lad that was on the front with him. What's his name? Ryan. 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 Yeah, yeah. Lovely yeah, bloke. Was, who was also who was also the major sponsor for the day as well, man. So it just shows you a major sponsor and on the door. Awesome. There you go. But just even that, like the the vibe that you get when you walk in, it was very personable. You know, granted, you know those guys knew who I was, but it was not like it just felt like there was a lot of. Everyone that was there was there. Like, there was a positive energy. It wasn't, you know, not that shows are negative, but it just didn't have anything about it. Everything about it just felt really good. It was warm. It was inviting. Um, it was good to see a lot of the athletes there. The, the second show, even though I didn't have athletes in it, to be honest, was probably... Actually, did I? Was it, Were the fitness guys in the second show? I can't even remember. No, they were yes. in the first. Yeah. Oh, were they? Yeah. I just remember yeah. more so when the girls were on that the crowd was heaving. And yeah, I remember was, MG yeah, was and I was like, man, yeah. it's fucking, it's pumping, um, which was really good. The DJ was great. I loved the lighting. Yeah, I, I thought it went, I thought it went really, really well. In terms of my athletes, um, Tyler, obviously first time competing and I only had a couple um, that were on everyone else's this weekend, but they were, they were really happy. Obviously, you know, 
everyone always wants to go one more. Placing second would be nice to, to win, but there always has to be um, a winner and sometimes it can't be you. But I thought it was good having not attended an A&B show for a while. I got some clarity around, I guess, the look in, across really all of the divisions. I tried to stay for as much as I could in the second show, even to see some of the girls in terms of the looks that they like. Um, so, no, I thought, I thought it was good. And I was obviously wrapped for you. Um, MG obviously with um, Michael taking out the overall and I got to meet your two bikini girls who both looked amazing and MT you know obviously to see you up there bro um, obviously I there, there was always a part of me even though I had a, an athlete in your lineup that wanted to, to see you you know potentially take the win um, Thanks, but it was just good to see you up there I know how hard you've worked for that process and then obviously just to um, chat shop with you backstage so I can't really fault it, man. It was a really, a really good experience. The only thing I would love is if it was just maybe forty-five minutes closer to where I live, so that um, <laughs> yeah, I get that too. <laughs> but, but that that's for selfish reasons, being a parent and having children. But other than that, nah, I thought it was really good. I, I thought it was well run. Um, I think you just need to make sure you eat enough next time, bro. I can. I remember saying to you, man, everything's good. Just relax. And I get it. Like you're wearing many hats. <laughs> you're a coach. You're a promoter. Um, but I guess when you're in the moment, you probably don't realize that everyone else is having a good time. I loved that you gave back via the little things that I noticed, the lollies on the table, I noticed the water, I noticed the monster energies, the fact that there was a microwave, the fact that people who didn't buy meals from the company were still able to use the microwave. Little attention to detail, things like that. Um, as a business owner, I noticed those things. So for me, I, I thought that was a really nice touch. And I know everyone in our team was like, with this um and i heard other athletes saying the same thing so i think there are points of difference that um that that, that separate federation so yeah i think you did really well man even, even the water man like you know making sure we had four or five slabs of water for all yeah. the athletes just help yourself you know just little things that i've been an athlete and, and i've been backstage and you know all those little things are the the you know and i think even when i when i was considering joining the team and i, I sat down with mt and had a big chat about you know you know, should I, you know, should I do this? Should I jump in and get involved? And then we thought, spoke about all the possibilities of things that we could do for athletes, right? Mm. That you could bring in and introduce into anybody that you could do for athletes. There's a lot of them they're doing anyway, but to just to just give back and make it such a special experience. And like that was just our first goal with it. Like we're going to get so much better at it. Oh yeah, it's going to be so good. No, it was um, great. You did well. As as for my team, so I had four athletes uh, in the show. For all of them, they were the first time I ever prepped them, uh, and two of them were first-timers. First time ever uh, hitting the stage, that was uh, Tegan and Amy, and I was really proud of them. Uh, Tegan, she took out theme wear and swimsuit and got third in her bikini. She's the one that was epic with her posing and her stage presence. Um, I'm sure that people probably noticed her a little bit, but uh, and, yeah, she's and, a, she's and a top chick too, man. Yeah, she's an amazing um, human being. And then I had Amy... Uh, she was a little bit nervous, but she pulled it together and you wouldn't even know. And uh, she did amazing too. She got third in her bikini lineup. So uh, for her first show, absolutely awesome. And then I had yeah. Crystal, first time competing with me, but uh, a seasoned competitor. And she did amazing too. She got a, a second and a, a couple of thirds, I think. So um, yeah. she's absolutely amazing and, and, and killed. I'm so proud of her too. And then I had Shona. Shona was the fitness athlete, first time I ever prepping her and she she took um she took everything out in fitness it's actually equal firsts 
and she also got her pro card uh, for AMB Fitness. Yeah, so, and, and we can get into that a bit after as well. Yeah, so we got questions about the equal first and how that worked and, and what our thoughts and feelings are on that. So I reckon I'll just jump into that, man, if you want. I can jump into it straight mm. away and just give you my thoughts and opinions, especially being a coach. And sure. and we, get it, we can go into a few divisions if you want. Like, we don't have to go through the whole day, but people, I've got a lot of questions about divisions, results, this person over this person. Like, without breaking down the whole show, we can maybe break down a couple of divisions and just give our, our three collective thoughts on it. Yeah, so let's start with that one. Let's start with the fitness one. And then I'd like to move into, as I said before, move into mine, talk about my result, yeah. and then obviously talk about uh, some of the things I discussed with Scotty later after uh, about how I looked in general and things that yeah. maybe I can do differently. So, you know, as for the fitness, we had um, we had two first equal first places across all the divisions that those two women were in, and then. Uh, they both got their pro card, which is absolutely amazing. It was it was totally deserving for both of those women. Um, and then for the overall, uh, they had to pick one, and that was the rule. So they went with the other lady and not with um, with my client, not with Shona, which is fair enough. I um when I look at when I look at it, I can see how it would have been a tough decision to make from a judging perspective, because they were slightly different physiques, um, and there was positives and negatives about both. Uh, and we have to respect the judges and respect the rules. And if there is a rule that you're allowed to make an equal first, then we need to respect it. Even if we don't understand it so much, we're not judges, um, we need to respect that decision. And I can see how maybe that decision was made because I want to take my bias out of it. Um, and I don't mind about the result. I would have rather a result, to be honest. That's my honest opinion. Even if my client got second, I'd rather know she got second for X, Y, Z reason. But I can see what the strengths and weaknesses are of both. So, for instance, you know, as we know, and as you've discussed before, MG, that uh, A and B love an X-frame. They love an X-frame. And we, can, we saw that in the, that fitness result. And we also saw that in the bikini result. They, they love that X. And that other lady had a superior X over my client, over Shona, for sure. She had more muscle mass and a bigger X. Her back was wider, her quads were thicker. So from the back, you saw a, a more prominent X, for sure. Um, but, you know, and, and obviously muscle mass, which is all judging components. Shona definitely had the conditioning. Uh, I think she had uh, a little bit better symmetry and proportion. And, I, and I, my opinion is she also had a better stage presence and posing, right? So putting those things together, you know, knowing the federation likes the X, they obviously put a little bit more weight uh, on that judging criteria over others. I think in other federations, it probably wouldn't go that way, but you need to respect what the federation wants. And that's even when we're going to talk about my division too, you need to respect what that federation is looking for or what they want. So I can see how one person had a lot of positives, but the other one also had a lot of positives. You've got to weigh out what is the, in the criteria, what is weighted more. And it, it sounded like, they were both equally weighted and they couldn't make a decision. So they decided to give both of them first place, which is a rule and we respect it. And in the end, you know, we got what we came for. We wanted uh, the top spot and we wanted a pro card. And I was happy with that result. And, um, and Shona was happy with that result. So we walked away being very, very happy with how the show went and the result. But I understand where people will be asking, hey, how does that work? Why do you think it happened? And Shona asked me too, what, what do you think happened there? Like, she wasn't upset, but she's like, what do you think happened? I don't quite understand because it's not something that generally happens. 
and that's how I kind of explain it to her and I explain it to people and, and I wanted to explain it to you guys. So I don't know, MG, you know, obviously you being a coach have a coach's hat and obviously you being a promoter having a promoter's hat. It'd be good to see what you think about it. Yeah, man, I mean, pretty much everything that you said, I, I you know, kind of agree with in terms of like, I understand why people are asking and I can see both sides. When you look at... When you're assessing a physique, I think the judges sometimes have got a very, very difficult job, right? Because if you think about like a, a top level IFBB show, you know, a pro show, you're getting 10 pro worthy quality physiques, all very similar. And you can really just nitpick muscularity condition. I think sometimes, you know, it, it's, you have, you have to judge just what's in front of you. And when you've got two different physiques that are both incredibly um, deserving of a pro card, both have, um, features and aspects that, um, you know, score well in terms of points. And at the end, you just can't separate them. You kind of understand why the judges um, did what they did. Um, if they can't pick them, they can't split them. They don't want either girl to be disadvantaged. Both have worked hard and they think they're both worthy. You know, it, it could have gone either way. And, you know, you could, you could make a case to say, well, just pick one, give them both pro cards. Um, but I think the judges, you know, felt that both were deserving of a first and that's what they did. So, you know, it's in their right to do that. And, um, and that's the decision that they went for on the day. So I think from, from an athlete's point of view, it means that both walked away, you know, saying that they were equal first and that they were pro card winners. And, you know, it's, it's easy to say, I would have preferred a decision, but if the decision went against you, you would have been, you would have walked away disappointed. So I think if, if you've walked away saying that you got a first, but you're, you're a little confused, that's understandable. But I think if they had have made a decision and you had have got a second instead, I think you would have been a little disappointed. So you kind of got to look at the judges and say, you know, in fairness to the athlete, they couldn't pick a winner and they didn't pick. They, they made them both winners. So, you know, is it rare? Is it going to happen all the time? Highly unlikely. Very highly unlikely. Um, but, yeah, I can, see, I can see both sides to it, definitely. From a coach's point of view, would I prefer to see a, a decision? I think so. I think I would prefer to see one decision. Um, but I completely understand how the decision was reached. And at that time, Scott, I think I was standing right next to you at that time we were watching. Um, and, you know, we, 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 we were picking up winning points from, from both, both positions as well, and both equally had some incredible features and assets to their physique. So, so I, I, I do understand how the decision was reached. What do you think, Scotty? Anything to add on that one? Uh, not really. On, on a personal level, I probably sit in the camp that I would probably prefer to see a first and a second. And I think it's always going to be a tough decision. But, I mean, you go to any, like even in a pro show, everyone up there is grouse. You've got to pick the best of everyone that, that is in front of you. I think, granted, if at the end of the day, it's in the rules. So if it's within their rules, I actually didn't know that it was a thing. I've never, in all my years, I've never actually ever seen it. Um but I think they both were incredible. And as you guys said, I can see I can see points in either or, but I think I'm not surprised that Shona didn't win because the size was rewarded over conditioning. I personally that's not personally like my but it's not I'm not a judge, it's not up to me, but I personally I prefer conditioning over size, but it wasn't like there was a huge discrepancy between the other girl looked unbelievable, but so did, did Shona. But again, for me, I, I probably preferred Shona's look, but that's just my opinion because I prefer that sharper look. 
um, within those lineups. And I think, again, it's it's a subjective sport, so it's it's within their, their scope. But obviously, they made their decision in the overall um, for whatever the girl's name is to, to be their overall winner. So then I'm like, well, they probably could have made that decision in the open as well. But the caveat to that is that Shona doesn't deserve, in my opinion, to not get a pro card because she's of that caliber. So I can kind of, again, as we've said, I can see how that you could come to that um, versus we're placing you second and we're going to give you a pro card. Um, they have the power to, to create an equal first. So that was probably their way of maybe, you know, we don't want you to not be involved in our federation. You're a phenomenal athlete. Um, you are pro worthy. But perhaps on the day, this girl just fits our criteria of the look that we like better. Right, let's um let's move on to to my results or my experience in the day because we've got a lot of questions about that. We also got a, uh, questions about um someone noticed that Scotty, you and I, Scotty, had a bit of a chat after after I got off stage, and they were like, "Well, what were you guys chatting about?" So I want to get into that. I do want to get into that, to be honest. Um, so for me, obviously, eleven year comeback. Um, my expectation was to to get on stage to look my absolute best and present myself the best I possibly could and um, I'm overwhelmingly happy about how I did. Um, all I wanted to do was just get on stage and um, and get warmed up again and just get back into it. Like, you know, I stepped off the A&B stage 11 years ago and I stepped back on the A&B stage uh, 11 years later uh, and it went fast but I definitely soaked it up and uh, I'm happy with how I looked. I'm happy with my whole process leading up until that point. And uh, I was just so grateful and thankful that so many of my friends and family came, people that weren't even interested in bodybuilding came. And um, I'm just so grateful to have that support system behind me. And that's all I ever wanted. I wanted to be my best, do the best I can and celebrate that with um, people that are close to and people that I love. And I was able to do that. And uh, I could not be happier, to be honest. I had no expectations on placings, as you guys know. Even when people were pumping up my tires and telling me, you're going to win, you're going to do this, you're going to get a pro car, whatever that may be. Um, I'm, I'm wise enough to know that you don't judge your success on how you place. You judge your success on um, how, you, how you looked, how you did comparison to last time you competed, if you ever competed before, or if it's the best shape you've ever been in your life. And, and, and I achieved that. And I, and I was able to present that in a professional manner. There's definitely things that I'm going to improve on from a, Opposing perspective and a peaking perspective, there's a lot of lessons learned, which is good. And that's the reason why you try to do multiple shows. You try to do an early show, like a, if you want to call it a warm-up show, if you want to call it that. Because looking back at videos and photos uh, and obviously seeing how I pulled up the next morning, I'm like, cool, okay, I know I want to pose differently. I want to do this differently. I think I want to present this strength because I believe that maybe that's a weakness. I should have rotated here a little bit more. I should have done something differently. So definitely tweaks yeah. to my posing. And then the next thing is definitely tweaks to my peak. Um, I looked great. I, was, I looked my best. Um, but I know there's areas for improvement there from a peaking perspective, which I think we'll get into in a second. Um, but let's talk about the result. So obviously the result was um, that I ended up getting third. And you know what? Not until later when I actually got home and I looked at photos and stuff, I was like, um, Third is actually last. <laughs> but I didn't even notice on the day. And I didn't even care. Like, they put the medal around me. I was like, all right, this is what I got. Like, it is, it is what it is. Um, but, you know, looking at 
how I placed in comparison to the winner, in comparison to second place, it was night and day different. Like I'm a completely different physique to that to the winner. And as it went from first to second, then it started to move towards more of my physique. And obviously I was there third. So I could see I was like two to three degrees of what they really, really wanted. You know, my muscularity, my size, my level of conditioning, my proportion is polar opposite to the winner, which is good to know because it know, I know where I suit in that federation, in that division, and every federation and division is different. They're like different things. Um, and it was good to know where I basically stand now for, for that federation, for that division. And um, the other two guys had absolutely amazing physiques and they were deserving of their placing. And uh, I'm really happy for them. Obviously, the overall winner is, is MG's client. And um, I'm so happy for him. He worked really, really hard. And um, I'm really, really happy. And obviously, Tyler getting second, which is Scotty's client. I know he worked hard too, and he looked amazing. Condition was amazing. He worked. He was his first time. They're both of them are first timers, and they handled themselves professionally. And um, how they executed their posing and their stage presence was was amazing too. So um, I'm happy with how I went from a results perspective. You know, in hindsight, if we were all so close in our physiques, and I missed out because I needed bigger arms or I needed bigger something, we're like cool, I know what I need to work on. I know what um, I need to bring to come back to this federation and potentially win. But my takeaway is me reviewing my physique and me reviewing what, how I think I went and how I think I looked and me taking away what I think I need to present differently and do differently for my next shows and what I know about the next federations. Not to say that I'm the top-level athlete in those federations, but it's just me knowing what, how I can improve for myself and just be a little bit better than what I was. And that's all that you could ever do. I don't know how I'm going to place in my next shows. I've got no idea. It's not my priority. It's not going to be judged. I'm not going to judge my success on that. It's just now I'm excited to be like, cool, there's actually things I can work on. I'm glad I did this show and I'm glad I can get feedback from you boys, obviously, but obviously subjectively look at myself and be like, you could have done this differently, Michael. I think you could have improved on this and that. So um, obviously we'll talk about I know what I need to do from a posing perspective we'll talk about uh, some of the peaking that um, maybe can be improved on too and I've had a chat with Scotty and I've also had a chat with my coach because you should have a chat with your coach and that's the person who you should be guiding you through um, and, and and that's where we land so I'd, guys I've actually have an answer this to you but you tell me how you think I went and things I need to improve on give me being open and honest with me you'd be great so I don't know Scotty you tell me well I, I already told you <laughs> Uh, yeah, but like, just just so people know, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, firstly, in terms of um, the conversation that we had, I, th- I think that's funny that someone saw us having a conversation. Um, w- did they say they thought it was heated? No, they just said, you looked amazing, well done. I saw you and Scotty having a chat. A ser- it looks like you had a serious chat post, post uh, you coming off stage. I thought you looked amazing. You looked, you looked great. That's what they okay. said in the question. Oh, I thought it was heated. I was like, well, nah. between you nah. and I, no chance, man. No, <laughs> no, chance. no, no. Um, no yeah, I, I, I thought you looked phenomenal. I thought that um, I thought that Michael, MG's client, looked phenomenal as well. And again, I actually said this to you, MG. Man, he has so much potential within that division. He's just like some people, I'm so envious and jealous that he just has – some people are just gen- granted I have no doubt that this gentleman works very hard but just the density mm. of the tissue on him like he's just a, he's a specimen 
Like, I hope you see even, even these insertions, right? Like, remember, we'll talk like lower lat insertion. Like, where, where that inserts, man, you can't change that, right? You're born, nah. that's where it, that, so like, there is, you know, things that um, assist if you can obviously work your ass oh, off and, of and increase that. Of density, course. But of course. it's a different look, right? It's like, yeah. So, yeah, I thought, I thought he looked really good. I thought Tyler, you know, um, looked really good. He presented first time. You know, you, to be able to place, you've got to be happy with that. Obviously, I thought you looked unreal as well. But I guess one of the first things we spoke about, and to be honest, when I saw you pumping up, I knew you were flat straight away. But granted, there wasn't a lot that was going to be able to be done. And I obviously didn't want to overstep the boundary. You're working with B. Obviously, you had your plan. And it's not, not really my place to come in and say, actually, you need to do this quickly, bro. Come on. I did make some recommendations that, bro, you need to push in some more sodium because... Mm -hmm. You're not pumping up like you need to, but you were flat straight away. I was like, when I first saw you in my head, and again, knowing that I didn't want to stress you out, I was like, fuck, he's flat. Um, what do you mean by flat? Just so people know. Just so people know. So in terms of, obviously, in peak week, what we will, obviously, the, the dieting is done. So MT's conditioning is phenomenal, and he's as dieted down as he needs to get. He doesn't need to get any leaner, any leaner. But the goal is obviously... Once you suck someone down, you need to fill them back up. So we wanted, I'm assuming that the goal with everyone is always to um, attain complete saturation of muscle glycogen. So obviously we store glycogen within our muscles. So glycogen is carbohydrate. Um, and obviously where we, where we partition carbohydrate, we also have water uh, within that space. So obviously we want to balloon, think of his muscles as a balloon. We want them to be as big as they can. And so typically the everyone in human body, males are normally going to be anywhere from, say, 400 to 900 grams of glycogen they can store. So they had been pushing carbs in from, I believe, Wednesday um, and then obviously potentially pulled off the gas a little bit too early on the Friday. And so he didn't he, – he wasn't completely saturated. He had more room – think of a balloon with air in it. His muscles had more room to push more air in to fill that up. Because he's so lean – that muscle tissue pushes on the skin, so it makes him look even leaner. It makes him look bigger. It makes him look fuller. So the physique is a lot more enhanced. That's probably the easiest way to simplify um, what being full is versus he was a little bit flat. So the the muscle bellies, they, don't get me wrong, he still looks phenomenal, but compared to how he looked on the Saturday after we had a chat and made some recommendations on perhaps um, what he should do that evening, the look was night and day, and that was flat versus, um, when I say flat, that was you fasted first thing in the morning. So imagine pushing more carbohydrate in, pumping up acute dose of sodium before you go on. In my opinion, had you had presented that look on the Saturday, it wouldn't have mattered on the look because it would have just been like, you can't not place him first because it, it ticks, this is my opinion, it ticks all of those boxes. So you were, you were flat. I think I think even if I was full and at my perfectly peaked, it wouldn't have changed my placing, because as we said, I, I didn't have the look they wanted for their division. Mm -hmm. But so, see, I, I, I probably, to be honest, I potentially disagree with that a little bit okay. because I think that that look. But perhaps I'm not a judge. But for me, yeah. that look, I would look at that and be like. I again, not, no, not taking anything away from Michael because he looked phenomenal and he's a deserving winner. But for me, that look, I'm like, well, he's bigger, so it does sit more in that fuller camp. 
the conditioning is better and the symmetry is there, but that's just my opinion. So perhaps maybe, yeah. maybe it would have, maybe it wouldn't. In my opinion, um, perhaps I feel that it may have, but again, we'll never know. So yeah. um, I, I honestly don't think so because okay. just, just for the Federation, I'm just talking about, because our physique was so different, so different. Mm. For me, it's coming a bit sharper. I don't think from a judge's criteria perspective would have pushed me two places up to, to being the overall. Because it, it, we were just night and day different from what our physique looked. But what I want to go into is actually how I peaked and then our discussion and then how I woke up the next day. So, you know, obviously, I don't know if you guys remember, if you guys listening and watching podcast a couple of weeks ago when um, I was explaining how I was, I was finding a little bit hard, like my weight wasn't shifting. And then I had my, my moment three weeks out where I started to get nice and lovey-dovey and wanted to have hugs and be super nice and my weight just dropped. My energy increased, my weight dropped, everything just started to go my way and I made no changes. We made no changes to, to diet, training, steps, nothing, right? It just started happening. But pr prior to that point, whenever we carved up and did some refeeds, my weight would shoot up and I'd get watery and I'd spill. So I understand that I understand why we did that peaking strategy in peak week because of what had happened in the past. But my body was reacting differently in that last three weeks. For whatever reason, it just started to cooperate and I uh, started to love everyone, right? So then coming to peak week, our strategy was, you want to call it conservative because previously refeeds, we didn't get an ideal result post-refeed. So Wednesday was my highest carb day and Thursday was a little bit lower but still pretty high. And then Friday, we backed it off. Now, actually, Friday morning when I took photos, I looked great. I looked my best, regret, but obviously on Sunday, I looked even better. But I looked my best on Friday. And then coming in, I looked fuller. I had more vascularity. I could get a good pump. I felt really, really good. And then obviously, we backed it off on Friday. Carbohydrates went back down to maybe a moderate level. And then Saturday for the show, I was flat. Right, so couldn't pump up as good. Didn't have fullness in my muscles. Completely shredded, but wasn't wasn't full, and I was a bit flat. And then when I got off stage, you gave me that feedback, Scotty, and I appreciated it so much. You know, you could have kept it to yourself, um, but uh, I really appreciate your feedback and obviously your guidance, your knowledge. You've worked with B before, my coach, and we went through all my photos for the week, my whole protocol for the week, everything for the week. We both agreed that Friday I looked my best and that I was, was flat on show day. And then you said, you now have a great opportunity to try to carb for the rest of the day when you get home and, and sodium load and carb for the rest of the day. When you get home, do a training session, take some photos, and in the morning, take some photos too, right? And let's see if doing more food and more sodium actually works because when we had a discussion, I told you how much salt I salt my food and it was probably a little bit higher than normal people because I like my salt. And that might have been an issue too because on show day, you want to go above your baseline. And to get above my baseline would have required more sodium. So that's why for the rest of the day, I think I smashed about 10 rice cakes with jam and honey and salt on all of them. And um, then when I got home, I trained. And then post-training, took some photos and, um, and then had my dinner. And I had my meal. And to be honest, by the end of the night, I told you that my belly was full. I thought to myself, I've stuffed this. 
I'm going to wake up tomorrow like a balloon, like an elephant. I've, I've gone too far. And what's funny is overnight I went to the bathroom twice. It woke me up. I had to go to the toilet twice and I woke up a kilo lighter than show day and I looked sharp. And if anyone has seen my post and they see me in the bathroom, yeah, Michael, MG's holding it up to the camera if you're watching it. It's I, ridiculous. Yeah, I, I pulled in full, veiny absolutely everywhere and deeply separated through <clears throat> everywhere. So it just goes to show that, um, that, yeah, the approach was conservative and that I needed more carbohydrates and more sodium. But we also learned too that maybe I actually need to reduce my daily sodium intake to a more of a, yeah. a, a regular level of what someone of my aesthetic size and um, and training capacity and to continue on with that so that when we do increase sodium closer to show on the show day, I don't have to go, my baseline is lower, so therefore how much I need to take in is not as much as what I would have had to take in. All this was, discu all this was discussed with B the next day on, on the Monday. And uh, he was appreciative of that feedback, all the data that we had, we had gathered, the discussion that we had, and uh, he was totally in agreement. He, even before I said anything, he goes, mate, you were flat. So he was totally in agreement with everything, and um, we're definitely going to be trialling a peak week next week um, for then my ICN show the following week. And, uh, yeah, really looking forward to those improvements. And this is why you do these things. I haven't been on stage for 11 years, and I did my comp prep 11 years ago. And leading up until my show, we had to be conservative because my body was reacting a certain way. So now doing this show and getting that feedback and getting that information um, has, been, has been so good. It's been invaluable. Now, just remember, anyone listening to this that's a bikini athlete or even a fitness athlete, you don't need to be doing this stuff, right? This is for someone that's diced and uh, is a bodybuilder and, and a male or, you know, a, a top-level physique or fitness person. So if anyone's listening to this and they go back to their coach, they go back to if I'm their coach or Scotty's their coach, and they're like, oh, I, I, yeah, I'm going to have 10 right take post-show and let's check how I look in the morning. Do not do not be doing this. Do not be doing this at all. No. Nah. And the reason that we I suggested that was because you have a two-week window where, worst case, we didn't get the response to be honest, I was very confident that we would based on... So, are you happy for me to share how much salt you were having? Yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so we literally ran the number. Well, I ran the numbers on... So, M MT was consuming 18 grams, and it's very good that he tracks his salt. 18, he worked out that he was having 18 grams of, of salt um, on, on the daily, which is a little over 7,000 milligrams of sodium. So, it's also important to know, because it's funny, a few people actually, after we had that, podcast actually were damning me asking me questions about salt sodium himalayan salt differences they've asked their coach and they don't really get any clarity um and a lot of people there's a bit of a misconception people think that salt is sodium that it's just 100 percent sodium and it actually isn't so it's sodium chloride so one gram of salt you're going to get 400 milligrams around about that of sodium and the rest is obviously chloride so when we work out that he was having 7,200 milligrams of sodium a day and the reason not in, he wasn't responding. Yeah, and that's not including sodium from my food sources. Yes, because so chicken was, bread, kangaroo, all those foods. Yeah. So in and reality, my, probably... My potassium too. Remember I was tracking my potassium too and we found out my potassium ratio was... Yeah. 
a valuable piece. And bear in mind that your body likes, in order to maintain um, fluid balance, it likes to maintain roughly a three to one ratio uh, on, on that front. So, um, I was one to one. Yeah, basically you were. That's what we, we identified. And so because of the morning of the show, you had only consumed with the salt and you weren't taking the salt tablets. You switched to that afterwards, but it was probably a little bit too late. You'd had, what, maybe 1,500 milligrams of sodium? Yeah, maybe 2,000, yeah. So when you look at – and this is the thing. So Michael's body taking in that amount of sodium – all that happens, like ideally that is, that's too much sodium. But all that happens is when he goes to the bathroom, he just excretes more sodium so that his blood plasma osmolarity is obviously not as heavy um, on the sodium front. So your, your kidneys are extremely intuitive on NSAIDs. So they're a lot smarter than you. If you stop taking in sodium, you'll stop excreting. If you take in too much, you'll just piss it out. It's as simple as that. So by him adding in more, he was giving his body what it's accustomed to usually and it also allowed him to partition the carbohydrate, which is partly why he hadn't had that bowel movement. And when you haven't had a bowel movement, the food just sits there in your intestine and it draws in solutes. And it does that so that eventually the water is going to help excrete. And then obviously you go to the bathroom and then whoosh, you wake up and it's like, what the hell? So when you get that ratio under under better, I guess, management on that, on that sense, and we spoke about obviously in UMB, discuss you got to bring it down so if you can bring it down so that it's um below or at least on par but ideally below so that you're a two to one ratio then you will find that when you push in um sodium on the day instead of having to take like 2600 mm -hmm. gram salt tablets like you're only going to have to take say maybe five or six within the space of of two hours and that acute dosage will actually have an advantageous um effect on the on the physique so that, that that's partly why but as you said if you're a bikini athlete um not even let's not um generalize on the on the, the category but unless you're super super shredded then you're not going to see um you're not going to see a response um like, like what yeah yeah basically more or less but i think if you are within that sort of level of conditioning this is why it's important to understand that um, and we even spoke about maybe perhaps you could switch to, if you wanted to still season, go with something like a Himalayan because the sodium concentration is a lot less. It's got some trace minerals like magnesium and calcium um, and, and potassium in it as well. So you kinda, you're kind of you not taking as much from the sodium basket, but he was like, no, nah, I like table salt. I'll stick with it. Mm. You're going to weigh it out. And so now you'll know. And that way you can titrate where your sodium intake is um, a little bit more closely, which will mean that your peak the next time around will be a lot more predictable because obviously you guys will just reverse engineer what you did. Yeah. And then I have no doubt the look will, will be different. But it's pretty common for most people. It's very rare that you'll knock your first peak out of the park. And I can completely understand why you would be conservative because as you said, before you got to that point where things just change, and this is why peaking is a moving target. So what you had experienced for the first 29 weeks of prep was very consistent, but then there was a change in your body. Yeah. And so that's why obviously it, it, um, it unfolded. But again, you learn so much from it. And again, I have no doubt at the VIX, it'll be a very different look and, and you'll feel more confident. And obviously the peak, I have no doubt, um, will, will be awesome. You and B will be all over it. Yeah. And so 
just to bring one thing back is obviously, you know, after our discussion, I came off stage, I could then continue to put in carbs by having like, as I said, about 10 rice cakes before I got home and trained and salted all of them, put jam and honey on all of them and a little bit of peanut butter just to slow the digestion down. Um, but I wasn't taking in any potassium, right? So there was nothing there that was potassium related. So that's why, yeah, I got a really, really good pump when I got home and trained. And then I had that massive, those two bowel movements overnight, um, which would have helped. And then obviously woke up ridiculous. <laughs> so. Yeah. And for anyone, a really useful tool, and I've had this with all my athletes this morning doing their, um, their final sessions. One of the easiest ways, and if you're a coach listening, that you can gauge if your athlete has A, their electrolyte balance on point, or B, if, they're, if you put enough carbohydrate in if their lean is, you'll be able to gauge how was the pump. Like we spoke about when you were pumping up, bro, how did your pump feel? And you're like, I just couldn't get a pump. Yeah, so and also my, my posing when I was flexing, I was like, I don't feel I'm flexing. Like I know I am, but I don't... Can't squeeze as hard, the contraction. Can't squeeze, yeah, yeah. And that's why we spoke about the other week. You need sodium is an important piece in order to be able to contract a muscle belly the way you want it to contract. So on your, let's say that people are competing tomorrow, if you just did your session, you're like, man, I couldn't really get a pump, I felt flat, then there's a very, very good chance that you are flat. And so um, you need to push in a little bit more carbohydrate. Typically, you know, good coaches will be able to see that in the look, but um, that's important biofeedback that you can relay to your clients. Um, and they're, they're some of the most important things, like my guys that have finished their session now, it's send me the photos and then give me feedback. How was the pump? How long did it take? Were you able to hold it? And fortunately, like some of the feedback I've had today, unbelievable. I felt like I was exploding. That, that's the sort of feedback that, that you, want to, you want to hear. And yeah. even I remember vividly, um, MG, when you came in for your GT session before your, your comp, you just, it, it, when you watch someone that's shredded, go through that process it's like watching a balloon inflate it in, in real time it's so fucking cool so awesome, um, yeah i remember yeah we had a little bit more when i was on the way to too because i think i sent you photos from tanning and i said to you know i'm feeling a little flat and you're like just add a bit more and then i had a bit more on the way to you in the car which wasn't on the plan and then um and then when i got to yours it was just like operation blow up yeah yeah that's that's the way it goes and that's why it's not like the peak is never really set in stone, like especially when someone shredded. It's one of those things where you're, um, I don't know about you boys, but I'm every sort of three, four hours wanting to see the look, how is it changing? Because it can change very quickly, especially when you're shredded. So that's like, you know, again, MG with you, it's like we were constantly um, assessing that because when you are that shredded, your body just burns through carbohydrate, you know, like, like nothing. So, but yeah, but as you said, it was a good learning curve you know what you're going to do next time. And I'm sure you guys will fucking knock it out of the park. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready for it, man. I'm, uh, I'm more motivated and it's always good when you learn things, you're like, sweet, this is a new motivation. I know I, I'm, it's going to be different next time, you know? Mm -hmm. so, um, so I'm really, really looking forward to it, but let's move on to some, some uh, listener questions because we've got some really, really good ones. Um, so there is, um, we've someone asked about, nutrition on comp day and managing it so i think we kind of covered it is there anything else you want to really talk about specifically on comp day from a nutrition perspective scotty or mg oh, no not really other than perhaps just probably fiber fiber yeah keeping it low 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the other thing is like, I think pretty much all of us manage our clients show their nutrition, like specifically by a means of actually picking the meals that we'll ingest on the day and also the time. I, mean, I go as far as, and Scott, you do the same thing. Um, wake up time. I yep. tell them what time to depart their house on their plan, like to make sure they get to the venue on time, what time they have the meal, what to bring in terms of meals and backup meals. Yep. Um, so it, it is important, but but I typically like control of everything on that day. Yeah, I the same thing. We plan everything out, what they should be having on the day, what time they get up, what time they should have breakfast, what meals they should have, if there's any snacks they should be having, bring their scales with them, weigh their stuff, all that kind of stuff. So your coach should probably set out what you need to be having um, throughout show day to make sure, yeah, you peak correctly uh, and you don't get any bloating, fluid retention, you know, and, and those kind of things. So, um, yeah, there should definitely be a plan of attack for sure. All right, we've got a question. First time female competitor coaching herself. So let's see if we can uh, help her the best we possibly can, all right? So she said, during peak week, when you have your high-carb days, are you staying within total calories or just dropping uh, protein and not worrying about your calories? So is it more about a carb thing than and what the other macros do? Do you think there's, like, sorry, are you staying within total calories in relation to maintenance maybe? Is that what you think that could she doesn't mention about maintenance. Or calories. is she thinking that we're just swapping carbs for protein? Yeah, the way it's written the is, uh, the are you staying within your total calories but bringing carbs up and protein down but staying within your total calories? No, no typically not. No, it's typically calories go up, yeah. Maybe, yeah, do you want to explain it, Scotty or MG, or what you, you approached? And, and if total calories do go up, do you drop other macros? Do you still drop protein and fats, for instance? Do you drop fiber? I know the answer to those questions, but I'm going to ask you so you can tell the, the listeners. You go, MG. Have a crack, bro. It's all yours. Yeah, so um, I'll typically never really drop protein to substitute for carbs, particularly as part of a refeed strategy, unless it's like a day or, a day or two out from show, right? when potentially we've had three or four days of carb up and – we just don't necessarily need that much protein the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, you know, if we're, if we're going to use a refeed strategy, drop protein and keep total calories the same, we're pretty much robbing Peter to pay Paul, right? Yeah. So what we're trying to do is, you know, increase the amount of energy available, um, top up glycogen stores within the muscle. Um, so I, I don't see any reason as to why we would steal from protein to 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 um, feed a refeed day, um, and Scott, unless you've got any other reasons, I can't think of any that come to come to my mind. No, but, so um, but no, you need to ahead. obviously understand if you're the whole point of a refeed is to, I guess it's more or less it's a psychological break from dieting. It's spending some time at estimated or predicted maintenance. So, if let's just say for <clears throat> numeric value that your baseline intakes on a low day you're digging, let's just say, I don't know, it's 1,200 calories, right? And let's assume that your maintenance cows are 1,700. If you were, let's say, having um, 50 grams of carbohydrate and you're having 150 grams of protein and then the rest, 33 grams of fat or whatever it is, and you're like, I'm going to take from protein and I'm going to go 150 carb and I'm only going to have 50 protein, then your net energy intake is exactly the same. So you're still consuming 1,200 calories. Yes, 
obviously training is still wise, a large deficit, yeah, right? So your, your glycolytic pathway is going to fuel um, your yeah. training demand better, taking on carbohydrate, but you're not having a break from dieting because you're still in a deficit. So whether that's coming from um, a different macronutrient source is is irrelevant. So you need to go up to, to where your estimated maintenance is. And um, again, bearing in mind that that is a moving target. And I think it's important that if your weight does jump, it's actually good feedback because if it doesn't, then perhaps it means that you exceeded that, um, you exceeded your maintenance intake um, from an from a expenditure perspective and then you're still in a, in a deficit. So you, perhaps you increased your knee, um, you may see um, an increase in diet-induced thermogenesis, obviously eating more food, your body um, has to break that food down. But essentially, the only time you would maybe perhaps make an adjustment, and I typically don't do it on refeeds, I will do it the night before a show is I'll slightly reduce protein, and that's purely just for digestion and um, to allow the glycogen that's going in to be partitioned a little bit better, obviously because as naturals, that is something that as we get leaner, um, we're not as efficient at doing. Um, but essentially, no, you, you need to make sure that you're taking on more calories within wherever your maintenance range is because otherwise you're just dieting still. Yeah, and I think a really good takeaway from that is for anyone listening is what the response from what your body will be there isn't like a blanket response that'll happen, right? And we've all seen it go both ways. And we'll just give you some like really good examples as to why it could go either way. And Scotty kind of just did, but like we'll just go into a little bit more detail. So like if your if your food goes up and your volume of food increases, right? What Scott's saying is typically what happens is your energy is a little bit higher that day. So where you did 13,000 steps yesterday, potentially you might do 16,000 today. Where your training intensity was at 90%, today you've had an extra 100 gram of carb, your training intensity is like 100%, right? So what Scotty's saying is you're actually expending more energy than you would have been previously because of the extra food. So the response is actually that you continue to drop weight. So that's that can happen very, very easily. On the other hand, the increased amount of food, extra water, you know, obviously water sticking to glycogen, um, you may see a weight increase, which is also totally fine. So there isn't a wrong or right response from the body in after a, a high carb or refeed day. But as long as you're tracking all the data, it should be pretty clear to work out why your response was your response. Yeah, yeah unless you're doing a stupid overfeed and you eat like an asshole and you gain a lot of weight. But even then, when, when girls are like, oh my God, I gained a kilo overnight and they freak out, to gain a kilogram of fat, so... One kilogram of mixed human tissue is around 7,000 calories. So unless you've eaten 7,000 calories above your maintenance, you haven't fucking gained a kilogram of fat. It's food volume, it's water, um, and that's the, the most easiest and logical way to... So even when you're in the off-season, if you're like, oh my God, I went out for Thai and I woke up and I'm two kilos heavier... You know, I'm stressing out. No, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go and have a low day, even though MG's told me to have a an, another refeed day. Yeah. Do do Twenty minutes on the stairmaster. Yeah. Again, remember we spoke <laughs> about this. Where sodium goes, water follows. You ate something really high in sodium. Um, perhaps you didn't have a bowel movement. You've got more food in your stomach until you pass that through. That's what will happen. But after three days, that that will just sort itself out. So. And also, too, is seven thousand calories above maintenance. You must feel like shit. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, a pretty big ask to, to do that. So. Also, too, is your body doesn't turn into body fat that fast overnight. It stores mm-hmm. it first for energy to be used. So yeah. it's not just converts overnight into body fat and it's, it's just there. You just got this extra pocket now on your belly. Like, it just doesn't work like that. I ruined my whole prep. I had 100 extra grams of carbs. Next question. So, uh, can being sick in prep affect your weight loss and your goal look? If you're sick, but you're still getting it done every day. So, if you're sick, you're going to have maybe an inflammatory response. So, your weight's probably going to go up or stay stagnant and you might not lose. But if you're still getting everything done and you're not making your sickness any worse, um, and I have this discussion with a lot of clients all the time, is you're still going to be making progress, but it may just be masked. So, you know, if you're still getting it done and uh, you're not seeing any progress, just wait for your sickness to pass. Don't do anything stupid to make you sicker than what you are and make sure that you rest and recover and you'll be good to go. Do you guys... You probably have. Well, I think using me is, is a really good example. Scott obviously had to manage me um, getting COVID one week out or two weeks out, and I was sick as a dog. Remember, I had I had um, diarrhea for two days. Um, I still got all my meals in, even though I was fucking sick as a dog. But we didn't train, right? We we basically didn't train and we didn't do steps. But I did get all my food down, even though a lot of it didn't stay with, stay with me. Um, but again, it, we had the conversation about, you know, does there need to be any changes to the plan to account for my lack of NEAT and obviously my lack of um, training intensity or lack of training altogether? But again, it all came down to the position I was in. And I think Scott said, man, you're already freaking diced. Um, we're not going to change anything. We're not going to pull food out. Um, we used it as a bit of a fourth load, which you know we we didn't necessarily need from. And I think just getting all my all my meals in and resting and recovering and getting back to normal within about five days. I think as soon as I came back, my uh, progression became linear again. So it was just about managing how sick I was, and there was a part of it where I was just too sick. I couldn't. You know, I think on my first day when I was really really sick, I think I did a thousand steps. And bear in mind, I was doing twenty thousand a day. Not because Scott was asking me to do twenty. So don't go out there and do 20. My plan was like 14,000, but I just couldn't get below 20 because obviously working 13, 14 hours in the gym, walking around all day. So like I had, you know, 25 weeks at 20,000 steps and then four days at 1,000. Did it affect my progress? It didn't. No. And you got to weigh up. If I had have said, nah, you got to train, push through it, that would have broken him because of the level that he was at at that point, like his immunological function was severely downregulated. So when you're that lean, you're, you're, you're very susceptible to getting sick and, and, and illness. And to try and dig in more would have just been deleterious to, to the look. But also there was no need because he was ready. We had time. You were pretty stressed because as in that state, it's hard for you to be subjective. Fuck, I'm, you know, how, how am I going to look? Am I going to be fine? But I knew that it was more important for you to, to eat and to just rest so that you could give your body the assurance that you were getting enough food in, not training was going to help you recover and have you relax. And then as soon as you were well enough, like 70, 75%, you were back in there and then you were fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually got a question for myself 
but someone asked about me, but I think you guys would be able to chime in too, is uh, I said, MT, during this prep, have you felt that you have less patience, more tired, or find you can't be bothered dealing with people like normal when you're not in prep? So I don't want to say less patience because that's more of a negative thing. Um, I'm a very patient person, if anyone knows me. Um, very patient, level-headed, not super emotional, nothing really, really gets to me. And um, I'm very understanding and sympathetic for a lot of people. So no, none of that changed. If anything, as, I, as you know, I got more lovey, right? So none of that changed, especially when it came to clients, family and friends, people close to me. Um, yeah, my energy was down, I get, I guess so, as it probably should be, but not to the level of what people probably expected to see of me, to be honest. Um, I think that's just because of my level of motivation, enthusiasm towards the whole process and just accepting of it all. Um, but I want to say that I was selective with where I put my energy and I probably did um, shut off more things that were draining my energy that weren't necessary and maybe even distancing myself from things that weren't necessary maybe draining my energy too. So I think I was more selective, but for all the things that mattered to me and needed my energy and needed my patience understanding, um, I did my absolute best to, to not change or let my prep affect that at all and um you know what's really been really reassuring is i've got a lot of positives from clients um saying that i can't believe you're prepping and also um coaching you know 20 odd people that are also prepping so and then also i did get a question about how was it on show day when you were competing and also coaching and it was fine because i was obviously at a different time but i also educated every single one of my clients and had given them so much information and had their plans thought out with them and also made sure everyone had a helper and the helper knew the plan so that they were self-sufficient as possible. But when they were competing, I had already been done for the day. So I was floating around like I would float around at any other show having multiple competitors. So um, coaching competing on the day was, was perfectly fine. And I was done. So I had plenty of energy and plenty of time and, and, I, and I loved it and I enjoyed it. So, but yeah, well, how about you boys? During prep, do you notice less patience, maybe selective of your energy? What do you normally find when you're in prep? Yeah, I, I agree. I wouldn't say less patient. I, and, and if there are moments of being a little less patient, it would be something that, you know, maybe something business related that, you know, an administrative task or certainly not anything personally. I'm pretty similar to you in terms of personality, like, Super patient. Not a lot really um, gets to me. You know, I, uh, I'm always trying to make sure I run around me is good before before myself typically. So I actually find myself to be hyper productive when I'm dieting and in prep. It's like I get far more done when I'm when I'm super super busy. So I don't know. I I actually have the the reverse effect with prep. I see prep as like a really positive experience for me. I know when I start the prep, everyone's like, oh, the food, the 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 training, the diet. I'm just like, oh, I know I'm going to get so much shit done over the next 30 weeks. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens to a lot of people. Like, like, you know, the only time I do like really, really solid lists of to-do lists and like, you know, I get a lot done in my normal life, but, you know, a lot of it I just do as I need to do. In prep, I write it all down. I tick off lists. I do all these yeah. things. So, you know, I, I find prep to be one of the most positive things that I can do for myself, both personally and professionally, um, because you know, I just I find better ways to get it done, and then I get to wake up and look at myself and go, "Oh, and you fucking shredded too!" Like it's a it's it's a it's a win all around for me. 
So, so I wouldn't say I get any less patient through prep, personally. How about you, Scotty? Well, firstly, I'll say, because I've seen both of you lads in prep, you guys, uh, you both conduct yourselves phenomenally well. You know, obviously MT more recently. Um, and I said this to you when we were training on, um, on Wednesday that, like, you've handed yourself like an absolute pro. There's no difference in your demeanor or your personality. Um, you're a coach first, you're an athlete second. You, your clients would have no... If anything, you're probably more relatable on that front because you're in the trenches as they are too. And MG, you know, I I lived every part of your prep with you and you were, again, I told you the whole time, like you literally conduct yourself like a professional. You're the same as me, man. You work monster hours. It didn't impact your business. Um, you were a phenomenal husband. You were a leader for, you know, for your community within ON and T. Um, and I, I admire both of, of those um, aspects. And if anything, that, that kind of fuels me and motivates me even more so, obviously, when, when my prep starts next year to, to, I think that's every time you prep, you get a little bit better at it. So having done it a few times, you, you know, you sort of know what to expect. Um, at the back end, it is very easy to perhaps, I think if you're around negativity, to perhaps be consumed by it. But I'm very selective, as you said, MT, with where my energy goes and the environment that I expose myself to. At the, for the first part of it, it's cruisy. It's more when you start to get really shredded and you've only got X amount of fuel in the tank to facilitate a certain number of tasks. And I'm obviously very mindful that I'm a husband and I'm, I'm a father and I don't ever want my, my wife or my kids to feel like because I'm doing something that it's they have to suffer as a result of it. So... Um, obviously you do have days where perhaps you don't feel the best, even internally when you're like, you're hurting so bad on those really days where you have to dig. I'll never, ever, ever let anyone see that or I guess, or I'll attempt not to, to feel my, how I'm feeling because it's not on them. It's on me. It's something that I'm choosing, um, to do. But like you guys said, I feel like you're so much more structured and organized and I'm someone who lives like that on a day to day basis that I thrive in that environment. Actually, you know what's funny is I was saying to someone the other day is some of the things that I've changed in prep, like, you know, putting my energy elsewhere or things that are important to me or even just changing my personality, changing a little bit, mm -hmm. things that I actually want to maintain. I've learned that that's yeah. actually how I want to operate from now on. And it's mm -hmm. actually been really good experience to be like, you know what? I'm going to continue to be like this person uh, even in the off season because I think it's, you know, because I'm a people pleaser in the end and I think doing – Changing some of those things has really made me learn that I think this is the way I need to keep 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 being for sure to be better. Yeah, you've got to fuel up. You've got to fuel up your cup, bro. And yeah. and you will. That's the thing you learn from every single prep. And I think again, good people, good athletes learn from it. They take what they can from it, and then you know persevere with it in the in the improvement season. But yeah, yeah, Scott. And I think you said something good on Wednesday. I remember we were talking not exactly about this, but it came up. It's like at the end of the day, man. You you come home. You've done all your hours at the gym, all your sessions, your clients' plans. You're um, prepping too. You diet it down. You get home, and you got two beautiful kids waiting for you, man. You can't say, "Sorry, Dad feels like dog shit today." I'm not going to play with you in the one and a half hours I get before you go to bed. It's like it's like that takes another level of commitment. It's like whether you feel like shit or not. I bet there was never a day where you're like, "Nah, not tonight, kids." No, never, no, ever, never, never. But again, that's because. 
that actually helped me because when you coach such a large number of people and you're in the sport and you're training and it's very easy to be consumed in the bubble and as much as I love it, I it, it can be very easily to become consumed in it. Whereas when I get home, I try not to even think about my training. I don't really talk about it. Jen might say, how was your session today? Or, you know, she might see me in the show and be like, wow, you're looking lean or whatever. But I'll, I just try and just fit in with, with my family life and it, it kind of helps to just have a break from it because otherwise if you're just you're solely, if you're just too obsessed in it and I have a bit of an obsessive um, personality, um, it helps to sort of just keep me grounded and to have something outside of that. Um, yeah. And as you said, you, you, you know, they're the most important things in the, um, in the world to me. So, you know, if, if Harvey wants a piggyback and he wants to go upstairs and down and I'm like, fucking hell. I'm so tired. The last thing I want to do is do this. Calories like, yeah. Well, honestly, that's that's how I think of it. Or, Daddy, give me a piggyback. Or come on the trampoline when it's like, you may not feel like doing that, but he loves it. So it's not about how I feel. It's about what, what he wants. So I think, if anything, I think it can make you, again, you know, a, a better a better athlete because and just a better person because it is a selfish sport. So it's important when you have important people in your life that obviously they're a part of it. And that's why when you when you have success and you go through that process and you do well, um, like I remember after Adelaide, the first thing, the first person I spoke to was Jen. And the first thing I said is we did it because it's like she was with through all of that with me. And she was at home with my two kids, my six-week-old baby, looking after two kids. She'd only not long given birth. And I'm in Adelaide competing on my own. Um, and I, I just couldn't wait to get back. And also she had made that sacrifice so that I could go and do that. So I think when you go through that process, and me was the same with you, bro. Like she was through all of it. They ride the highs, they ride the lows. Um, so I think it's important that obviously the people that go through this process with you, that they know. And every now and then it's nice to just say, I really appreciate everything that you're doing for me, supporting me, being there for me. Um, yeah, yeah. That's awesome, guys. Um, and while you're there, let's, let's, what about just give Jen's business a quick checky plug, man? Oh, her salon, London & Co. in Greensboro. Yep, she'll love that. They're, they're pretty busy, though, to be honest, bro. But if you want to try and get in, absolutely. The best. Yeah, she's, a, she's a weapon. Definitely. All right, we might leave it there, boys. Um, there was some awesome. awesome questions we didn't get to, so I'm gonna, we're going to use them for next uh, potty. One yeah. of the ones to cover was, uh, does squats and deadlifts make your waist thick? So... We might start with that one next week. And then we had some questions on about whether we're, what we're, our plans are. Are we going to nationals? Um, are we going to do a live meetup? Things like that. So let's chat about that next potty. But uh, sure. yeah. I think we had an awesome wrap today. We covered a lot of in the trenches things, uh, which is absolutely awesome. So hopefully everyone got a lot out of it. Thanks for all your questions. Keep them coming for the next one. And uh, we will see you there. Yeah, and just thanks to everyone who came up to us all at the um at our at the A and B show. Multiple people came up just to say they've been listening and you know have really been enjoying the podcast. And guys, that like definitely that was one of the one of the highlights of the day. It happened to me a few times, and that made my day as well. So thanks everyone for the support. It's been amazing. Thanks, yeah. guys. Same. Thanks, guys. See you later. All right, boys.